Time now for News Talk WANI Sports. Brought to you by Top Hat Chimney Sweeps. If you have a chimney, make sure it's inspected by the best. Top Hat Chimney Sweeps of Auburn. With 20 years of experience, they are the pros. Double D Mondays with Daryl Daprich, who joins me on the WANI Hotline. Hope you had a good weekend, brother. I did, man. I, I uh, you know, wish that some of the uh, outcomes would have been a little bit different uh, as far as sporting events that I watched. But it was a good, it was a good weekend, and uh, got a little bit of rest, which is always good. Well, yeah, getting rest is always good. Uh, I wish yeah. I would, I wish I'd have done that. We stayed busy this weekend, and I, I didn't get to see all the game. I got to see a lot of it, but not all of it. Uh, before we get in and break down the Auburn uh, West Virginia game, Daryl, uh, let's get into just the, the the Big Twelve SEC challenge and. Some surprises to me, it went both ways. Um, number one, Oklahoma shocked me that they handled Alabama the way they did, but apparently they could not miss on Saturday in the first half, uh, putting up 50 uh, in the first half. But then you got a team like Missouri that knocks off number 12, Iowa State. Yeah, and I mean, I think the Mississippi State-TCU game was another one that was a little bit of a shocker. Yes. TCU had, had, had lost to West Virginia, uh, ironically, the week before. That same West Virginia team that beat Auburn, but I think you'd have to consider Oklahoma, West Virginia, Mississippi State, and Missouri all upsets, right? I mean, those were ones that no one saw coming. And I think the way Oklahoma beat Alabama, the number two team in the country, it's very difficult uh, game in, game out to stay at a high level. You're going to play games where you're going to be subpar. I just didn't expect it to be the biggest deficit or the biggest beating ever in the history of the poll where somebody that was the number two team in the country got beat by an unranked team. That was the largest deficit that's ever happened in the modern-day poll. So that's pretty – you know, you could see a little bit of it coming. Alabama was playing so well. And then Wednesday at home against Mississippi State, they had a shot in the air to tie that got blocked. But then again, looking at what Mississippi State did against TCU, maybe it was more Mississippi State, uh, you know, coming on and playing good basketball uh, for Chris James down the end. So it was a, you know, I like that. That Big 12 SEC deal breaks up the season a little bit. Um, as far as Auburn and West Virginia is concerned, I think I was extremely disappointed with the way they came out. You would have expected them after the loss against Texas A&M to come out a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more intense, uh, they, a little more high level. They just didn't. And they got into a very, very uh, brutal hole being down 17. I don't think that this program, I mentioned this with Zach, is at the level where you count moral victories, where you should even be excited. I don't care mm-hmm. if you came back in the second half and played as well as they did. Maybe you can build upon that for Wednesday night. But, you know, you did. You put yourself in such a horrible situation that even playing a, a incredible second half of basketball and having an opportunity twice, twice at the free throw line, to tie that basketball game after coming down 17 or being down 17, you couldn't get it done. And that's, mm-hmm. that's not anything to hang your hat on. Again, this isn't about moral victories. This team should have got a split this last weekend. They should have won that game on the road. It was winnable. They put themselves in a position that made it nearly impossible. And then when you come all the way back like that and expend that much energy, I just think you have to finish. And, uh, you know, look, I'll just say this. There, there, there are moments throughout a basketball game you could look at total stats and things jump out at you, like West Virginia hitting three more three-point shots and having and, and making six more free throws than mm-hmm. Auburn. Okay, that, that, those nine points were invaluable when you lose by three. So you can look at that. But I also look at little individual possessions 
of a basketball game that you mark down and you go, hmm, note that. That's going to be important at the end of the game. And when you, when you stack those twice, twice Auburn had an opportunity to cut it from five to three, like with about four or five minutes left to go in the basketball game. One time Wendell Green missed an easy layup that would have cut it to three. West Virginia goes back down the other end and gets an and and one. Mm. It's a five point swing. It's fatal. Late in the game, Auburn's down five. Down five. They grab a rebound underneath their own basket. They're getting ready to outlet, go the other way, and it slips out of Cardwell's hand. Mm -hmm. Another Auburn player tries to save it. What's he do? Ben saves it under the basket. Yep. West Virginia hits a three. Another five point swing. Take those ten points. And tell me where you are at the end of the basketball game. Empty possessions matter. And in a game like that, and in a game in the SEC tournament, and in a game of the NCAA tournament, Auburn's got to quit having those type of possessions where it's a swing. They're swing possessions. And especially if they're unforced, right? Miss a layup, mm -hmm. let a ball fall out of your hand. I think that and then the differential in West Virginia being able to make they're a little bit more of their, their, their threes and more free throws given equal opportunities. It wasn't a big foul differential. Um, Auburn had to foul late to, you know, to, to put West Virginia on the line. So that looks a little misleading when you look at total fouls. But those are the kind of things that I think you got to clean up. And if you're Bruce Pearl, you look at and say, okay, we either should have guarded a little better the three point line or we needed to hit a couple more threes and guys, we could have won this basketball game. So you just hope you bounce back. And take care of those things Wednesday. I think the biggest thing is what you just said at the beginning. I think it's guarded at the three point line a bit, a little bit better. And the reason I say that is because Eric Stevenson averages thirteen points a game, and he 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 dropped thirty one. And out of Auburn's losses this year, they're allowing one of their guards. Most times it is a junior or a senior or a fifth year senior. They're allowing them to score twenty five or more. And mm -hmm. in order for Auburn to be successful, they can't let somebody be an all-star that's playing against them and let a guy that averages 13 a game come out and pop 31 on you. They just can't do that. I mean, you hold oh, man, You've nailed it. Yeah, yeah there, there's a trend that you have. It's not rocket science sometimes in basketball. And I think if there's one key indicator on whether Auburn wins its basketball games or not, you've just touched on it. Four guards, Boogie Johnson, the Memphis guard, Eric Stevenson and the Texas A&M kid Wednesday night that looked like Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. who's wearing 23. All four of those guards are oversized guards, 6'4 or more, and they were struggling coming into the game against Auburn, like average, averaging like in their last three or four games eight points. Mm -hmm. And Auburn makes them look like LeBron James. You will get – and that's because, I hate to say it, we are what we are. We have undersized guards. Mm -hmm. Zepp and Wendell struggle against guards that are 6'3 and 6'4, and it's physics. They're 5'11. It's not rocket science. So if Auburn can play teams where they have an advantage in the paint and get those, you know, get those points in the paint, plus 10, plus 15, plus 20, they're undefeated. Mm -hmm. When they are challenged to have to shoot from the three-point line to beat a team or perimeter, and their guards are challenged to guard a, you know, a, a bigger guard or somebody that's more athletic, mm -hmm. somebody that's a pure scorer, that's the formula where Auburn's lost its five games. It's really right there. And there's nothing you can do about that from a playing harder standpoint. It's just 
It's mathematics and it's physics. Now, you can change defenses. You can go one through. You know, I don't know. There's something. I trust Bruce Pearl. I do, too. He will adapt and he will adjust. But you're right. You nailed it, man. The guard play, when Auburn gets beat, it's usually another guard looks like Jerry West. Yeah. And we're like, what the heck? Where'd this come from? This dude's been averaging eight a game. And and it's not just 15 or 16 points. It's 25, 28, I mean, 30. They're hanging you know, career numbers on our guards. Yeah, I mean, he had 31. You know, that was the thing is is a lot of people, whether it be, you know, message boards or social media or whatever that were doing the, the what-if scenario, and they were, like you were just talking, and I said, what if, what if, what if we, the guy that's averaging 13, what if we hold him to 20? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and, and that, I mean, just, it's so odd that somebody that, struggles against everybody and then comes into Auburn and puts up 25-plus. And so uh, I will say this because of that is it's a tough stretch. I mean, it's a tough stretch all the way to the end of the year now, Daryl. But um, I my fear going into the weekend, because after we lost to uh, Texas A&M early last week, my fear was heading into the weekend. I didn't call that a must-win game, but I did call it a you-really-don't-need-to-lose-this-game game. And then, of course, they lost it. So now you've got the, – the good news is is Auburn bounced out in the second half and looked a whole lot better. But still, you're trending down right now. And now's not the time to trend down because A&M, and then you got to go to Knoxville. Now, the good news is is Bruce is tend to, tends to have Barnes' number. Uh, but, yeah. but still, they're ranked high, and they play very well at home. Uh, so it's going to be a tough, tough get to get, get up there. And then, of course, you've, you've got that Alabama game that's looming. Uh, and so I, I told you before we got on, I said, I think 2-2 two and two is the minimum you can do over these next four games. I agree. I think that, you know, and, you know, things like Ken Palm and the ESPN, BPI, you know, they had Auburn losing that game Saturday to West Virginia. That would have been a quad one win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fortunately for Auburn, a lot of the teams around them that they beat, you know, Mississippi State winning that game jumps Auburn's net up. Northwestern being second in the Big Ten jumps Auburn's net up. So there's some things there from a tournament standpoint. They absolutely just cannot fall apart. I think they just have to hold steady down the stretch. And I think that they're still in a good position to finish 10 and 8 or 11 and 7 in the conference. They've won six games already in the conference, finished with about 21 wins, and then get in the SEC tournament where anything could happen. Um, but they better get, they better, like you said, split the next two. If they go one and three in the next four, it could get ugly. That could be, this team could be in trouble, you know, as far as losing their confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I had people texting me Saturday going, wow, it's been a long time since the Bruce Pearl coach team lost two in a row. And I'm like, no, not true. I mean, it's happened every year. It's pretty consistent. Uh, you know, they lost two in a row. The year they went 28-5, and five, and I feel like was playing some of the best basketball of anybody in the country when COVID shut this thing down. Mm-hmm. Auburn had just come off beating Tennessee on the road, and they took their manhood from them, but wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. That year, if it, we all seem to forget, Auburn went like undefeated for a long time, and then Alabama and Florida beat them on back-to-back road games in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Bruce has lost two games in a row a lot in his tenure, even in the in the glory years from 2018 on. So I, I think that you just don't want to lose three in a row. Wednesday night's a big game. Georgia at home, you should win it. You should win it going away. Georgia got absolutely boat raced by, you know, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, obviously. And so we'll see. But I think you're right. Two and two is the, is the bare minimum that I think you need to do just to stay in this thing and stay in the top four 
which is that getting that first buy in the SEC tournament is huge. Step away from basketball a little bit and head towards football, as you and I were talking uh, beforehand. Uh, junior day attendance uh, was just off the charts as opposed to what it was last year, which just kind of puts more of the nail in the coffin for uh, Brian Harson and, and, and what he was doing with this program. 250 kids on campus between Saturday and Sunday. Now, you could say that's good news and that's bad news. The good news is I think – in Brian Harson's career at Idaho and Auburn, he's never seen 250 recruits in the history of his coaching career. But anyway, um, to have 250 kids on campus is incredible because you just look at sheer numbers and the law of averages and how many of those kids you're going to get. Now, there were a couple of high-level targets that were put off a little bit by that and said, you know, I didn't really get a chance to get one-on-one time with the co- – well, you know what, get over it. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude. It's, it's junior day. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how Alabama does it. That's how Georgia does it. And, in fact, it's in, in what I consider to be a strategic but kind of a petty move, Alabama waits until Auburn announces its junior day. Then they announce theirs, hoping to sway some kids from Auburn's junior day to Alabama's junior day. Mm-hmm. Well, when 250 kids show up, you ain't swaying many people. There's a lot of kids on campus. So it's unfortunate Cadillac was not feeling well. He couldn't be there from a position coach standpoint with some of these running backs that came in. But all indications are huge success, 250 kids on campus, a lot of great things. All this is is an introduction. Mm-hmm. It's not a one-on-one, I'm going to get a kid on campus and hope they can recruit. It's an introduction. It's let's get as many kids on campus and expose them to Auburn's campus, to the new football facility, and to these coaches' personalities. And that is what made that a highly successful weekend. You know, rumor is that there are a few silent commits mm-hmm. that came out of that as well, so that's always good. But 250 kids is absolutely phenomenal to have on campus like that over a weekend. So I would have to think you would have to definitely give that an A+. Yeah, if there's one thing that this staff has done, and I think a lot of people were shocked at it, and this this lets you know, not that they still got to play the games before it's all said and done with, and they still got to have you know a, a little bit of time in order to put the, the right pieces of the puzzle in place in order to uh, get to where they probably want it as a staff. Um, but one thing that, you know, when everybody said when it was looking between Freeze and uh, Kiffin and that kind of stuff, and don't get me wrong, Kiffin's had some good signees, but I don't know that he would have worked as hard on recruiting as what Hugh Freeze has done since he has set foot in Auburn? No, there's no doubt. I think Kiffin is a high-level X's and O's guy. He's considered to be an offensive genius. I think he's done a good job in the transfer portal. But as far as going out, shaking hands, kissing babies, recruiting, getting these many kids on campus, getting in a plane and going to all these places, absolutely not. I mean, you've got the, the coach – to do that right now at Auburn as far as the hardest worker in a long time hitting the recruiting trail. And I also think that he's a tremendous X's and O guy. If mm-hmm. you take a Liberty team that's down to his third-string quarterback and they come on the road and beat an SEC team like Arkansas, and what he did with Malik Willis, he's also a good schematic X's and O guy, too. It doesn't just stop. In fact, quarterback is his forte. He spoke at the high school coaches football coaches meeting and was very, very – Candid and said that quarterback room's got to grow up. Mm. I don't know if I see a starter yet in that room. That's a shot fired, is what that is. It tells me two things. It tells me the, the quarterbacks in that room right now need to get it going. He needs to see some things on tape that they improve with working with him. 
And it also makes me feel like Auburn's not done, that there is still hopes of getting somebody in here in the spring that can make an immediate impact. So we'll just wait and see how that plays out. Before I let you go, uh, did you watch any football over the weekend? A tough row for uh, for San Francisco to hold just because of the third oh. string guy goes down, fourth string guy goes down, got to put back in the third string guy. Chris, Chris, Christian McCaffrey actually took a few snaps at quarterback. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, the the game of the night was last night. It was everything I would hope it would be, uh, and and it was fun to watch. That actually is two teams. If it weren't for the divisions, I would have liked to have seen that been the Super Bowl, honestly, uh, between uh, yeah, Joe Burrow. Great point. Yeah, I, I, I mean, watching Burrow and Mahomes go at it year after year over the next few years, I think is going to be something very special. It is. I think the uh, it went chalk. I mean, the number one seed in the AFC and the number one seed in the NFC are meeting in the Super Bowl. That rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia-San Francisco game, if I was having trouble after church, needing a good Sunday afternoon nap, that game did it for me. I mean, I hate it. It just did. I know Philadelphia fans are excited, but that was one of the most boring football games because of – Purdy being hurt and Josh Johnson then getting hurt and Purdy coming back in, all he could do is hand off. I mean, it's unfortunate. I would like to see San Francisco at top strike to see how that game would have went. So it was just an ugly game. Cincinnati, Kansas City was unbelievable. I mean, I just entertaining to the end, like you said, Burrow and, and Mahomes, Mahomes on one leg, really just getting it done with the ankle injury, just gutting it out. And then, of course, Cincinnati's mayor, proclaiming Arrowhead <laughs> Stadium, Burrowhead Stadium, and Travis Kelsey just getting on the stand after the game at the AFC Chamber when they're presenting the trophy and calling him out, calling him a joke and a clown and a jabroni and know your role and all that. I mean, that's why I've always said in sports, keep your mouth shut. Oh, yeah, I don't care if you're on the team, if you're staff. What, I mean, you just you don't want to do anything to give anybody extra. I mean, you're going to be... You're going to be incented to play. You're going to be fired up to play in an AFC Championship game anyway. But I just think when you start making things, people start taking things personal, you know, high-level athletes, it may – remember the Michael Jordan famous quote in his little documentary, he shook his – he shrugged his shoulders, looked at the looked at the laptop when somebody said something, said, and I took that personal. Yeah. And when he took something personal, these high-level athletes, they go to another plane. Yeah, it, it 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 was both funny, made for good television. I loved it. I think it opens up the door for the future matchups that take place over the next couple of years. Uh, with I did love the show of respect from Burrow and Mahomes afterwards when they met at midfield. Oh, yeah. uh, I think they both know that right now they're the they're at the dominant portions of their game and and uh, they're the Brady Peyton Manning they are. of the of the of the two, early two thousands when Manning and Brady were battling. You know, and then it, it, that's that's who they are, and, and, it, and it's going to be. And in that same division, though, there you you still got Josh Allen, who everybody thinks just because he had a fairly bad year, people forget he had a pretty good year last year, and I don't yep. think he's going away. I think once he finally gets some money in his ear that says you got to quit making bad decisions, you were making- don't sleep on Justin Herbert either. Hey. He's emerging. <clears throat> Kenny Pickett, I think, is. And yeah. I, I know that's going to sound biased, but he had a really good rookie year for a guy getting thrown into the fire. I think he's got some of that. Mo- the AFC has got some Tua, if he figures it out, has yep. got some really good young quarterbacks. Somebody told me on the golf course Saturday 
They challenged you. You went on an extremely incredible run, and you looked at them and said, and I just took that personal. So is that true? Is that rumor that you went to a whole other level? Right? You just said what? I don't know how much of it was. You actually know who it was that I played with because uh, Zach has him on uh, Charlie 5. He is who I was playing yeah. with. and uh, I don't know how much of it was the challenge or how much was it. He went south, and I went north as far as the game was, and it just happened right there at the end. And uh, He was not a happy camper with me. When it but he was the best-dressed golfer. He, 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 it was so funny. We were all at dinner one night, and somebody asked him if he was a professional golfer, and he said, no, I just dress like one. <laughs> I've never seen a dude that is – I mean, you see him out in public, you're like, that dude's got to be on PGA Tour. He is absolutely from head to toe. Right? So, anyway, that's fun. Yeah, I'm glad you guys had a good time. If they'd have seen him Saturday, they would have known why he's not a professional golfer. That's for sure. So. <laughs> Now, he's going to take that personal. I'll be in trouble next time around. So, uh, Daryl, as always, man, I greatly appreciate it. You and Thanks, Zach, brother. y'all go live after the games as uh, they can uh, ask you guys questions and yeah. uh, jump on there and, and see if they can. Uh, see, I'm sure some of the questions were people thought the season was coming to an end this past Saturday. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was, it was was chicken little. There ain't no doubt. But yeah. uh, we're there to kind of help ease and soothe that pain for them, right? That's what we're there for. Absolutely love it, man. As always, I greatly appreciate it, and uh, I guess we'll be hollering at you next Monday. All right, brother. Have a great week. You got it. You too. Daryl Daprich, Double D Mondays, here on your news talk and information station. Positive thought just around the corner. The only station to ever be named Alabama Station of the Year twice. News talk.